checking in with Mike Williams from the LA Chargers, and you're tuning in to Chargers Unleashed. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. It's Jake Kaffner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Bet Online, Charger Bowl Family, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, how are you, sir? How was your Father's Day? It is a Tuesday, June 20th. Again, the drolldoms of the offseason for the NFL. I know. Every single one of us out there is just itching to have it back. But uh, special episode of the day, sir. And I apologize. I kind of just buried the lead as I was asking, you know, how was your Father's Day? And I just kept kind of running with it. So let me retract back to my original question. How was your Father's Day, sir? Thank you. Father's Day was tremendous. Hope everyone out there who are fathers or aspiring fathers have a tremendous Father's Day as well. Uh, weekend was fantastic. Uh, how was your weekend, by the way? Do you think fun? It, it was good. It was eventful. Dad and I went golf. Went went golfing. How'd you do? How'd you do? Uh, I made par on one hole. <laughs> <laughs> Got the next modern day Ricky Fowler over here. Solid. So I, you know, without getting into the specifics, I was in the three digit mark and kept it under two hundred. And for me, that's a win. That's a win. That's the win. Yeah. Um, we have a very special guest today. Uh, Chargers writer Eric Smith um, has his pulse on this team through and through players, coaching staff, uh, really excited to kind of talk to him about a lot of things here. We're going to talk about, obviously, we're going to talk about storylines of the team. We'll talk about, you know, training camp expectations, some of the coaching staff, uh, lots of fun things, as well as just looking forward to training camp and what to expect once pads are on 11-11. Super excited to have Eric, great guy, father himself. Um, Eric Smith coming up soon. Uh, But Jake, before we get into it, all right, Jake, over under. Uh, Let's go Jake theme. Uh, you just recently saw the flash over under your personal opinion, three and a half stars <sighs> over or under this movie had so much potential. And oh, I know he's going under. He's going I, under. <laughs> I know that there are those out there, you know, DC hardcore DC fans that absolutely love this movie. And if you can get past, you know, a couple of the, well, not a couple of If you can just get past the bad CGI and like the story for what it is and it being a love letter to DC by the time that you reach the end of the movie, I get that. What you, did you say the over-under was? Three, Three and a half? half. I, DC just has has just very few wins in the, in in this particular timeline. You know, before, before we end up getting everything rebooted here in the next couple of years, there are are very few that have just hit the mark. And, you know, it's it for its merits and what it had. I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan. So, of course, that drew me to it. And honestly, when Keaton's on screen is some of the best moments of the movie. So, you know, I'll give I'll give it a three. I'll give it a three. Okay. Majority people. I got it. They love this movie. They give it a nine out of ten. They say it's top tier DC uh, it's just hey, look, I'm I'm not knocking your opinions. If you if you like the movie that much, more power to you. I just didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. It's not horrible. It's not one of the. It's not one of the worst things that DC's ever done. It's one of pessimistic, Jake. Things, right on you. Average. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Before we pay the bills and get to our much more than average, Eric Smith. 
Want to remind everybody that Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your betting needs this season. Always the fastest and easiest way for all of your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your very own home. All you have to do to get into the action is go on over to the website. That's betonline.ag. Use your mobile device to join and be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. Jake, Eric Smith actually is celebrating his one-year anniversary with the Los Angeles Chargers, so what better way to have him uh, celebrate than to join the folks at Chargers Unleashed? Jake and myself will have Eric Smith from the Chargers next on Chargers Unleashed. Well, very excited today. Very special guest with us. Eric Smith, writer for the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, has his finger and pulse on the team uh, across the organization, top to bottom. Super excited to talk to you today, Eric. Get to know a little bit more about this Los Angeles Chargers team. Eric, thanks for joining us. How are you, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, kind of a quiet, quiet week around here. Um, players and coaches are gone. Just trying to rest up a little bit before camp, um, but doing well. <laughs> just it's just you and the janitor there, right? Just everything else is crickets. <laughs> feels like it. Feels like it. Yeah, no, uh, pretty pretty skeleton crew. Um, but I'm going on vacation in a couple of weeks, so it'll be nice to recharge. There you ah, go. Okay. Well, before we get into the fun stuff, let's get into more fun stuff. Where are you going on vacation? What are you doing? Uh, going to Hawaii, actually. My wife and I, yeah, okay. we're going to take our, uh, let's see, by then she'll be like 14-month-old daughter to Hawaii. So we're uh, we're bold. Going to go with that. Uh, at least her her parents are going to come too. So that's good to kind of that take a little bit of the load off, off, uh, off of us. Um, but yeah, going to Maui for five days. Looking forward to that. Oh, man, that'll be fun. Best of luck on the plane ride. I know that's kind of the biggest thing that yeah. parents are anxious about. Uh, my wife and I actually took our kid to uh, Hawaii months back on our first plane ride, and it went well. So you'll be, it'll be great. Um, bring snacks, bring videos. You'll be fine. Um, okay, so tons of stuff we wanted to talk about today. Um, you know, we'll talk about storylines of this team. We'll talk about the rookies, the coaching staff. You do a tons of profiles on this coaching staff that I want fans who have not let, had a chance to listen or see that get to know it from you perspective from your perspective um let's kind of start off with the otas and and camp takeaways like you've been there you have kind of an inside look at this team you've been there for all of it from your perspective like macro as those have kind of now kind of gone into the shadows if you will next step training camp what are the biggest takeaways for you of this team specifically this year yeah so um it was my first like off season with the team, right? Like I joined before camp last year. And when I joined last year, you know, there was a lot of hype around the chargers. There's not as much hype this year, but the team is still the same team. And I think that's important to, to note because, you know, maybe there's not as much buzz or fanfare, um, you know, externally, you know, from like the national outlets, but it's still the same team, essentially. Maybe like a few faces are different, you know, obviously a different coordinator. Um, but something Brandon Staley said last week, like really kind of resonated with me was that like, it's still the same team and same, same faces. We just have another year together. Um, and, you know, I think we can all agree, right? The team didn't reach their full potential last year, whether it was injuries and, you know, all this stuff. I think they can still get there this year. Um, and some of that has to do with like, you know, it's still the same team and there's still Justin Herbert and, and all these playmakers, you know, and Derwin James. So like, while externally the buzz may not be as high, like I'm still high on the team. Um, 
you know, and, and I think they, they can go far this year. Um, it's just kind of putting it all together, staying healthy, peaking at the right time. Um, so I just feel good. Like the, the general takeaway is like, I feel good about the team. And if people don't want to talk about the Chargers externally, maybe that's fine. And let's just kind of fly under, under the radar and then, you know, see where we are like late November, early December. Are, are there any like either players, coaches, moments that stand out to you specifically from OTA so far? Yeah, I mean, the big one, right, is like, you know, once Justin Herbert was able to get into team drills, you know, because it took him a few weeks as he was kind of recovering, he would he was letting it fly, you know. And I think if you can probably pick that pick up on that from me or, you know, or Popper or anyone who was like covering the team on a daily basis, like once Herbert got out got out there, and you know, once he he joined up with with Kellen Moore like on the field. It was incredible to see because he was just letting it rip to everybody. Like it wasn't just like Keenan and Mike, you know, or, or Quentin, like, um, like uh, I can't remember the guy's last name off the top of my head, but Pokey, Pokey Wilson, Pokey I think Wilson. his name is. Pokey Wilson catching like 50 yard touchdowns, you know, and it's like, what? This is like not something we saw from the Chargers offense last year. And it just gives you like a lot of hope going into camp. Um, because I think we can all agree like that explosive element was missing a, a year ago. That's why they kind of made the change at coordinator. Um, you know, and, and we'll see how camp is because like it's way different with, with linemen, you know, and like full like 11 on 11 drills. Like most offenses probably look good in seven on seven drills. But Herbert looked great once he was out there and he was just chucking it around. It just gives you a lot of hope for, for the offense this year. Eric, I, I'm glad you brought up the aspects of Kellamore because the coaching profiles that you have been writing for the website have just been absolutely phenomenal, plethora of information in there. And I'm curious just because, you know, you read through these and especially when you start asking each one of these position coaches, whether it's Tom Donatell, Giff Smith, uh, even the article that you put up yesterday um, with John Timu for the team. I'm, I'm interested to know just as far as, is there anything maybe even such some of your favorite responses that you've gotten from some of these guys when it comes to player position outlook, anything that's standing out to them and the way that they respond to you. What's, what's some of the ones that have kind of jumped out to you as far as when you've been going through some of these coach interviews? Yeah, it, it's been a great series. Um, I, can, I can't take all the credit for it. It was kind of a joint initiative with um, the PR staff and myself to kind of get it going um, they kind of wanted to get the coaches a little bit more pub, you know, which like because you you rarely hear from assistant coaches around the league in general, right? It's just the head coach and the coordinators and the players, you know. But the the assistant coaches are on staff too, and they're they're busting their butt all year round. So they wanted to get a more pub, and I wanted to talk to them to, to get a chance to know them better. You know, I've been here a year. Um, I see these guys around all the time. I chat with them, you know not non-football stuff but like hey let's dive deep into football stuff and kind of see what i can learn uh so the whole series has been great um in terms of your answer i know you mentioned three defensive coaches um can we kind of preface the uh, the question um but what the offensive coaches have said about kellen has really kind of caught my ear um you know because i'm like it's just a general question i've been asking hey what's the first couple months been like with kellen um, and even some of the ones that haven't come out yet, like like um, like Kevin Coger, the tight end coach, or other ones like that, 
they've all said like he's just really easy to work with like he doesn't have an ego and pretty much every coach has had the same kind of similar line um but also that like he's been very adaptable in the sense of like he's not just bringing the cowboys offense to the chargers like he's gonna keep what we've done well here the last few years because you know there are even with a coordinator change there have been plenty of like really good pieces you know, player-wise or play play calls or whatever um, that have worked, right? Like Justin Herbert is no slouch. Like he, he's had success the last few years. So let's keep what has worked well, bring in some new stuff that Kellen likes, but also match what the players do well, you know? And I think he was really telling, Kellen was telling with that um, in a press conference he did, and he was asked about the um, tight end, just like in general, and some, I think the question was like, you know, are you heavy on tight end? Because obviously it was a big part of the offense in Dallas. And here, and maybe it's not as many big name tight ends. He's like, well, no, like that's just what we have. Like we'll we'll work with what we have, and we will fit the offense to what our players do well. Um, and so we, you know, we still don't really know what that looks like. Like we'll find out more in camp and um, as the season goes along. Like like I said, seven on seven, it's just kind of, you know, a passing league type thing, but. Um, yeah, the, int- the answers on Kellen have been great. Um, more so like in general, it's been great to get to know the coaches of how they got into the NFL. That's something that always kind of fascinates me. Um, like, uh, Chris gold, uh, the assistant special teams coach, like no one ever hears from him. Right. Because he just doesn't do media, which is fine, but he's like one of the best coaches on staff, like a great guy. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, like, how did you kind of get to the NFL? And he said, he, so he was kicking um, in the Arena Football League. He was a pretty good kicker. His brother is Robbie, Robbie Gold. Um, and who's, who's a pretty good kicker. Who also is a pretty <laughs> good And he said, you know, he was working out. He was living in Chicago. And, like, he was just kicking at this, this Elmhurst College, some small college. It was one of the only places he could show up and kick. And a coach there was like, hey, like, do you mind helping out our specialist? He said, sure, you know, it's fine. Well, then Chris gets hurt. Um, so then he becomes a full-time coach there, like helping out the guys. That coach goes to Syracuse, brings Chris to Syracuse, and then Chris gets his feet wet and then gets hired by the Broncos. So it's, it's like, you know, just randomly, you know, he's working out on a college field in Chicago, and now he's coaching in the NFL. Like just fun stuff like that. Um, the whole series has been great. i gotten tons of good feedback on it. Um, so yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it. One of the, one of the coaches that I think a lot of folks, you know, everybody talk about Derek Ansley, uh, who I think is going to have a huge kind of refreshing impact on this defense. Um, Tom Donatel, in my opinion, is kind of going under, going under the radar. I think it was pretty widely known that the team was very high on him. They brought him in for a reason. And the, the piece you did on him and you were kind of talking about, um, you're at, I think, I believe you're asking him about kind of how he teaches, um, the players and kind of how he adapts to folks. And the thing that I kind of took away from that, I don't necessarily know if fans have had a chance to kind of see yet is like the innovation style that he has with players and teaching. And, you know, you talk about how like he uses rugby, uh, uses basketball. He's a visual teacher. He keeps players engaged in like multiple different ways. And it was just really interesting to kind of see how, you know, at the end of the day, like these are humans, but to see him being able to kind of take all of these different approaches to keep the players engaged and to get them learning. 
Because he had talked about, like, at the end of the day, like, it's not up to us to know things. It's up to the players to know things. And if we can't teach them, then what are we doing? I'm paraphrasing. But talk to us about kind of Donatel, just kind of what you've seen from him and the impact he's had on the team so far. Yeah, he was he was, he was really good. Um, you know, and I kind of had a – not a weird relationship with him, but a, an odd crossover because, like, I used to be with the Vikings. So the Vikings hired his dad, like, three months before I left – and his dad was great, like, in the time I got to talk to him. And then I come here, and, and Tommy is here. And he's one of the guys, like, I'd say hey to him in the hallway, you know, and, like, we just kind of chat briefly, but had never really sat down with him for a long time. And just, like, you could tell, like, he's a coach that is, like, on the rise. And um, he's re- really smart. Um, and, like, the the teaching aspect that you mentioned, that's something I heard from a lot of coaches um, but really from him and that, you know, he could have 10 or 12 or 15 or whatever DBs in the room and they're all going to learn different. So it's like, how do I present it where all 15 guys are going to learn it? And maybe they don't all get it on the first day. And maybe the second day I have to go back and, and change it up a little bit so that this cluster of, of players picks it up. And then maybe I have to do it again and coach it like a third or fourth way um, so that when we get to the practice field at the end of the week, everyone is clicking with it and, and we're and we're rolling. Um, so he was just really good on that. Um, he was really good on like culture and like what he learned in Seattle, um, you know, from Pete Carroll and all that, which I, I thought was interesting. Um, you know, he uh, I've noticed, you know, a lot of these coaches, right, are, are former players. He actually went to Iowa, was recruited to Iowa as a quarterback, and then ended up playing defense. Like he went to linebacker and then sa- I can't remember the order, linebacker safety. So just like how they kind of see the game when they played all over, um, I think has been really fascinating as, as part of this series too. Um, yeah, Donatello has been good. Um, I'm almost like halfway through it. I, I think there's nine have published i think there's like 11 more to go so there's still like a lot left wow okay um we're run it all, all, all the way up until camp starts um you know and i've done all but one interview i have one guy left i'm gonna get him when he comes back from break but just like to preview like um some other guys who are, who are gonna be good like tom arth who is the like passing game specialist fa- like fascinating guy like former head coach um, played in NFL Europe, just like re- really good stuff. He was like with Peyton Manning for a few years in, in Indy. Um, like the the two uh, line coaches, Brendan Nugent and uh, Jay Rogers, really great. Um, even like like Chandler Whitmer, like the offensive quality control guy, like just a great story. Um, and like the work he does maybe like goes unnoticed because like he's a quality control coach. But like he he has a big a big impact on the team and the offense, um, so yeah, just like a, re- a really good series. Like, and I, I'm not doing much, right? Like, I'm just asking questions. You're too humble. You're too humble. But yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> good. Well, let's kind of shift gears a little bit, but we'll stay on the theme of the coaching aspect in a in a, in a way. Um, let's talk about kind of the rookie impact that we should expect. Um, and I was listening to, I was watching, excuse me, um, all the series, all the ones come through, and the one that was interesting to me. Um, was wide receiver coach Chris Beattie. And uh, he talked about, you know, Kellen Moore and kind of talked about how excited he was and talked about how underrated Josh Palmer was. Uh, but 
you asked the question about evaluating Quentin Johnston coming out of the draft and the expectations of him as a rookie. And his answer to that, I thought was really interesting to kind of hear him use some of the basketball analogy around Quentin Johnston. You know, he talks about, he doesn't have a lot of wasted motion, talked about him being really good right after the catch. Um, but I love the idea of him saying that, you know, he can be both a power forward and a small forward at the same time where he can kind of have that small forward aspect where he can, you know, be a little bit nuanced, if you will, but then can also have the power forward approach and dunk on guys and go over their heads. And at times he could do both. Um, and then the part at the end where he said, you know, the nice thing about him coming into this wide receiving core is like, they don't necessarily expect him or he has to carry this wide receiving core and be wide receiver one now, but like they do want him to come in and compete to be the wide receiver one day one. Yeah. And so talk to us about just the rookie impact, but Quentin Johnson in particular and how kind of Chris Beatty kind of shined him up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Um, yeah, when I talked to when I talked to Chris, it was like a two part interview because I talked to him a lot about Q when I did that long form about how like the Chargers scouted and drafted Quentin, um, and then kind of just parlayed that into the into the other questions about um, Keenan and Mike and all that. But yeah, with with Q, like he looks the part, and that's when you talk about like all the basketball analogies and size and all that. Like he looks like an NFL receiver already. You know, and he hasn't even had like a full off season to really kind of get into the weight room. You know, I'm, I, he, he's lifted weights and all that, but like you just kind of see it usually like a transformation with guys uh, from year one to year two in the NFL just because they've had a full off season. Um, but he is it's a big dude, and yeah, the quote you referenced, I think Beatty also said something about like he like plays above the rim. I think I, he said something about that, and like that is just great because. So it's so rare in this league, right? For for receivers to be wide open, like no one no one is ever like wide open. Like the DBs are too good. It's usually like a contested catch or like a close, you know, the the the, the window to throw it into is very tight. So if if Q can can kind of like use his frame and go above the rim and like go get the ball like Mike does up high, that should only like add a boost to the offense, right? Um, in terms of the other rookies, like I'm excited to see um, Thule, you know, like that third edge rusher. I think like he's shown promise um, and Giff was really high on him when we talked about him. Um, I know Ryan Ficken is like fired up to get Henley, uh, day on Henley on special teams. Um, like he, he, I think Ficken said he's going to be like a core four guy. Like he's already going to play on, on every special team, special team unit. Um, that that he can Henley um, Henley yeah yeah okay yeah yeah uh, day on yeah um, and then the rest of the guys like once you get like fourth fifth round like you're just kind of hoping they're going to contribute on special teams and kind of fill in some, some depth obviously it's different with Darius Davis as, as of now he is the returner like the kickoff the kickoff and punt returner like that, that's where he lined up this spring um, we'll see how the new kickoff rules kind of affect that right because like we just gotta see how that goes, um, but yeah, punt returner like he's gonna be the guy I think for sure. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a good rookie class. Like the thing is, kind of like what we talked about with Q, no one is expected to come in and like be the guy right away. Except if, I guess if you want to count Darius Davis as the returner, but they can all kind of grow into their role and 
learn. They, they all pretty much have veterans in front of them who have been around for a long time. And so they can kind of ease in. Like none of them are going to be expected to be like day one starters per se. And that's good because as they learn and grow, then maybe at the end of the season, right, when you need depth and, you know, you're trying to make a playoff push and it's a long year, then the rookies will, will have, you know, are in a good spot to step up and, and help contribute. Eric, I wanted to talk about just overall storylines at the end of this year. And I know that you had had your joint conversation with Jeff Miller, Daniel Popper, Elliot Tiford, and you guys were kind of always all, you know, taking into your own accounts as far as what expectations were, who stood out in camp. And then for this particular storyline, I know that you had written, and really there is a plethora of storylines as it relates to just if you were to break things down by position by position, but you singled out and not surprisingly, as far as given the aspects of Kellen Moore and what everybody's expecting him to bring to this offense, but you singled out the Chargers offense in general and Justin Herbert now back fully healthy. And it's not pads yet. It's not 11 on 11 drills. But from what you observed, tell me a little bit about just why that was your choice for obvious reasons, but why that was your choice. And then where do you kind of see that storyline developing from there once we get training camp underway? Yeah, um, I think with Herbert, right, like all, all eyes are, are always going to go to Herbert. Um, you know, especially like I said, he was hurt. He, he, wasn't hurt. he, was, he was rehabbing. He was on the mend early on in, in the spring. And so when he was out there, like we were all just kind of waiting for him to come back. And then once he got out there, it's like, okay, how is he going to look? You know, is he going to be limited at all? And then he just, like I said, throwing, throwing bombs to, to Pokey Wilson. Um, so he just looked great. And, and that's why there's so much excitement. But also – just because we didn't have that last year, right? And like I'll say it from like my perspective, coming over from the Vikings, you know, and like watching, I had seen Herbert play, you know, and kind of following the Chargers here and there. I come in and I'm like, hey, this team is going to light it up. Like, you know, we're, we're going to be scoring 40 points a game and all this stuff. And it just, it just didn't happen, you know, injuries and everything else, including to Herbert. And so I think like we're kind of back there again, where like there's just so much potential right now, and Kellen Moore is a big part of that because we've, we're seeing the the the, the shot downfield and we're seeing the aggressiveness and all that, and I think like that's what fans want to see too, right? Like I love defense, but like fans gravitate to teams and offenses and players that score forty points a game. And I think what I wrote in that group chat is that's how you have to win game too. Like offenses are just so good. Rarely are you hold are you holding opposing offenses to under what twenty four points a game anymore. It's just it just it just doesn't happen that often. So like especially in the, in the division we're in and the conference, like you look at the quarterbacks up and down the conference, you're gonna have to score 30, 35, 40 points a game to get to where you want to go. You know, I don't think anyone's going to get to the AFC title game and win 17 to 10, you know. So, like, if we have this explosive offense, like, that's the the, the main ingredient to the recipe of, of making a deep run. Um, so that just – I'm kind of thinking long-term with that. Like, the, the offseason has been great, but, like, that's what you need down the stretch. You need to score points in order to, to win games. I wanted to piggyback off that for a second, because as you mentioned, you had come in from Minnesota and you had obviously watched this Chargers offense in that would have been 2021 in that circumstance the year before you were here. And obviously that was the first year with Justin Herbert, with Joe Lombardi in that standpoint. And then I want to go back to what you had said at the beginning of the show, where it already just feels different from where we were the year prior. Can you tell us just kind of like, you know, without getting into the X's and O's type of 
uh, things. But just as far as is there is there a message that at this point in the season that already looks different with Kellen Moore leading this offense that we didn't happen to see at this point last year? Yeah, um, I mean, I'll touch on the run game first and say that we can't really tell with a run game because it's just been seven on seven, right? Like, so I, I can't give you really an answer on that. We'll, we'll know more in camp and then in, in, in season, like kind of how the run game looks. And we know, obviously, it needs to be better than it was a year ago. Um, yeah, I just think like, you know, you, you just look at the collection of players that we have and it's like, well, well, this, this should be what we're doing. You know, we should be throwing the ball down the field. Like Herbert has incredible arm talent. And, uh, you know, we have, like you said, like a basketball team at receiver, you know, with Mike and Keenan and Quentin and, and Josh and like Donald Parham had a good spring. Um, and we saw what Gerald Everett could do when the ball was thrown, thrown his way. It's like this is we've kind of built an offense to, to throw the ball. And why not do that? So I just think like, you know, I can't really like I wasn't getting too into the Chargers before, like before I got here. But like, I think it was just the expectation of like, let's just push the ball down the field. Um, and, and that's what we saw this spring. And again, we're going to have to see how it goes in camp and the season because like it's just shorts and T-shirts right now. You know, that's just seven on seven. So like most people look good, but the optimism is high. I, I, I can definitely say that. I guess a question I had, and I am by no means comparing Quentin Johnston to Justin Jefferson. So I'm going to preface this with this question. Uh, but you were there the rookie year for Justin Jefferson. And you kind of saw that play out and the animal that he is now. And you're seeing Quentin Johnston now. And you're kind of, you mentioned that he kind of looks like the NFL receiver already kind of acting the part. Are there any similarities that you see in those two, either in how they came up in college or how they acted in their first kind of camp? Like any insights there yeah i mean it's tough because uh jj was drafted i think what was the 2020 um yeah and that was during covid so like i was covering the team right but i wasn't like around the team on a daily basis so you know there was no off-season program that year so like i didn't i didn't know what he looked like in in minicamp um and he certainly like made plays in training camp but he didn't even start the first, I think, two or three games of the season. So it wasn't like we, it wasn't like the Vikings knew we had a like a, an all pro on, on their hands right away, or else he would have started week one. You know, um, Quentin is definitely bigger. He's just like a, a bigger, like a bigger frame. And so maybe he can win maybe more of those jump balls. But like, you know, JJ has shown he's like, he's probably one of the best receivers in the league and he can kind of do anything. So, you know, I don't really want to compare Q to JJ just because JJ just like took the league by storm, like right away and, and hasn't stopped, you know, and he can just kind of do everything well. Like Quentin hasn't played a game yet. So I, you know, we kind of, the jury's of kind of out on him to see what he can do, but, but I'm a big fan of him for sure. Um, and I think, um, I think he'll contribute this year. And I think he's got a good, like long-term outlook. Now, I guess let's kind of get to, um, you know, we all know the team success and I guess lack thereof last year in terms of how the season ended with that Jacksonville loss in the playoffs. Um, it feels like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like there's a lot of pressure it, on this season 
in many aspects, and whether that's from a coaching aspect with jobs on the line, whether that's like Tom Telesco and his tenure, whether that's with Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack contracts and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams contracts and got the Justin Herbert massive deal coming soon. There's a whole bunch of things that are kind of leading to this crescendo of regardless of what happens, positive or negative, feels like 2023 is like a very pivotal year for this franchise. Like, does it feel that way inside the building as it does outside like what are the optics and what are the feelings like there about that yeah i I think pivotal is a good word but mostly because this is like year three of brandon daly and you know you look at where they were they went nine and eight and 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 ten and seven so like they are taking the steps forward i just think like given like i said earlier given the buzz that the team had last year and then it didn't come to fruition they they want it to happen again, but they, they need it to happen again. You know, like if you just kind of stumble again and like there's injuries and stuff, then it's just like another frustrating year. That's just hard to hard to hard to cope with, you know. Um I, I don't know about like outside pressure on people's jobs and all that. Like that's not my my lane to, to get into. Um but I will say kind of like what I mentioned earlier too, like to me this team is still like ascending. You know, like they still have all these core pieces and, and there's, there's still a, a talented roster, you know, top to bottom. The one thing I'll add to that is like you, you, one thing we know in the NFL, you can never keep everyone together forever. You know, there, there becomes a shelf life where people, people come and go. And with the Herbert contract, that's going to make it difficult to keep everyone forever just because with the financial aspect, you know, if he gets X amount of dollars, Okay, well then you're paying other players money now. Well, you're gonna have to move it around. Okay, you need a younger player to step up or whatever. So like, you know, this core is, is fantastic, and and like the the big names on this roster are big names, and, and then they need to play well this year, and there there's a lot being put on their shoulders. But they're but you can't expect the same group to be together for for five years, you know. So like, they're kind of in this window here where it's like, okay, this is you know could be one of the last years where everyone on this team is together and let's go make something special happen. It seemed like a two year run that they had. Like, and it was like last year and this year are the two years where they can try to make all this thing go forward with the contracts that they are. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I, I think you're right though. Like prepare for this team to look different next year. Like it has to, there's no way around it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and most of the money, right? Like the answer usually is always the money. <laughs> Last one for you, Eric, before we get you out of here. Uh, just announced earlier today, training camp returns for the Chargers July 26th. So everybody mark your calendars for that when we get back to players back on the field. Outside of what you were saying earlier, as far as your expectations, your biggest storylines with this offense going into training camp, position battles, any players in particular. I know you highlighted Rashawn Slater and having him back in your uh, conversation piece as well, but Rattle them off. What are some of the biggest things, storylines, player battles that you're looking for as we get into training camp next month? Yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, I wrote on uh, Chargers.com today, um, linebacker is intriguing to me. I mean, it's not really a position battle because it's going to be uh, Kendricks and, and, and Murray starting at the linebacker spot. But just like how that group kind of comes together and how maybe EK can elevate Kenny because um, like what I wrote, like, there might not be a player on the team with more like physical traits or tools than, than Kenneth Murray. He like looks the part. He's fast. He flies around the field. 
It's just kind of getting him to find that consistency on a, on a play-by-play basis. Um, and maybe Eric Kendrickson can be the guy who helps him do that. Um, you know, not to keep talking about the Vikings here, but, like, I know Kendrick very well yeah. from, like, my time in Minnesota. And, like, he is a fantastic player. And I think he's really going to help the defense. And if he can, if he can help Kenny be at his best and combine, they can help in the run game. I think that's just going to make the Chargers defense really good because we saw what they did last year against the pass. It was, it was, it was I think, a top 10, like number seven overall in uh, passing yards allowed. So, so linebacker is one of them. Um, kicker, obviously, is something that we're all excited to watch. Um, you know, it's a good battle between Hopkins and Dicker. Um, pretty even uh, so far through, through um, OTAs and minicamp. Um, they were both like almost like dead even. And then on the last day, they both kind of struggled a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's it, mid-June. It doesn't matter that much. Like once we get it's into – Yeah, it's June. Once we get into <laughs> camp and like joint practices and preseason games, that's really where like the evaluation really like ramps up. Um, I'm glad is I'm it, not like, – go ahead. I was going to ask you about the kickers. Like is – I didn't mean to cut you off, but we talked about it where – and this might be my stupid belief, but it seems like it would be very hard – for this team to move away from Cameron Dicker, given how things went last year. And it sucks for Dustin Hopkins because of like how incredible he was and the heroics he had last year and just how good he is. But given age and all things considered, like it just seems really hard for me to fathom them not sticking with Dicker unless something catastrophic happens where he just absolutely you know tanks. Like, does it feel that way for you? Am I completely off base there? I can see that point. I can see both both sides of it right i can see okay let's go with dicker who is younger like a little bit cheaper he, we saw what he did last year right but at the same time you know like we just said this is a, a veteran team that wants to win maybe they go with a veteran kicker right um and they kind of go that route and like you said hopkins like the only reason he didn't <laughs> he's spark, great he, he, just, he just tore his hamstring and like made made you four field goals on prime time like it wasn't his fault you know um I think they're in a win-win situation, and I think I wrote about this a week or two ago. Uh, whoever they, whoever wins the job, is going to win the job because it, it's going to be a good battle. And then maybe they just end up trading the other person in late in camp or something like that, um, because some team is, is going to need a kicker. Some team always does. Um, you know, someone gets hurt, or a team maybe realizes that ah, we don't have a, a good as a kicker as we thought we did. Um, and we have two, maybe like two very solid options here. So maybe we get a draft pick out of that. But yeah, kicker is going to be great. Um, but the battle is going to be fantastic. Um, we'll, we'll be tracking that for sure all, all, uh, all summer long. And I guess the last one can't battle. Everyone talks about receiver and interior defensive line. Um, interior defensive line seems like that was going to be a bloodbath. Like there, like it feels like that position group specifically is very deep. Um, talk to us about what you think is going to end up with. You've had predictions. I know this is way too early. I know it's only June, but wide receiver, interdefensive line. Who do you think makes it on those two? Yeah, with receiver, it's like okay, how many are we keeping? You know, are we keeping five or six? Right? You, you can. If they keep more. five, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, if they keep five, someone's going to get lost out because you know you have, you have your top four now with Keenan, Mike. Um, Josh Palmer and Q and then that doesn't include Darius Davis who's going to be on the team to return that's five 
you know, Jalen Guyton, we didn't see him because he's still rehabbing, but we know the threat he provides. Um, you know, bring him up again. I, we mentioned him more than anyone on the show. Pokey Wilson has <laughs> had a great camp. You know, he had a great spring. Um, you know, and like Darius Shepard made some plays. Um, you know, John Hightower, Keelan Doss, like all these guys look good in, in spring. So, like, it's going to be tough. That final, let's, let's say they keep six. Okay. It's like Guyton and like four or five other guys for one spot, essentially. You know, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough battle. Uh, D line, it's a little weird because we don't know the uh, the health status of a couple of those guys yet. So like um, with Tito and Austin Johnson, like if they're healthy, I think it's a pretty solid group. But if they're not fully healthy in time for camp or week one, then you're like, okay, how is this group gonna look? We're gonna see. Obviously, uh, ba- like Sebastian will be up there, and, and Morgan Fox are going to be in there. Um, but then, you know, who else are you going with up there now? Like Nick Williams, like he's a veteran guy. Um, like Scott Matlock, you know, like they were like I know the coaching staff is high on like Christopher Hinton, you know. So it's like, is that who we're going to be going with early on because of injuries? I, I don't know. Um, you know, there's just so much that it's funny because like. Minicamp ends, and we have all these questions about training camp, but then we have to wait six weeks, <laughs> right, before we even, like, can get any sort of answers, um, which is good because, like, we all, we all need a little bit of downtime for sure. But, yeah, um, you know, like, I did ask uh, uh, Jay Rogers about Tito and Austin, and that'll come out in a couple weeks. And he's like, I'm not putting any expectations on it. Like, they're rehabbing, they're working hard. I'm not going to tell you they're going to be back by this day or this day, but if and when we do get them back, it'd be great. So it's just it's just a little bit up in the air. Um, and I think if they do come back healthy, then that group turned into a pretty solid group. You know, um, I know they had their struggles last year. A lot of that had to do with, with injuries. But, um, yeah, I think it's a solid group overall. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this training camp uh, unfolds. Uh, I think the 53-man roster – and cutting that down is going to be so hard. And we told fans last episode, like, be prepared. You're going to see names that you're not necessarily wanting to see go purely because of the talent on this team. That's a good thing. That's a good thing for this roster construction. Um, Eric Smith, senior writer for the Los Angeles Chargers. Man, you've been so good. I appreciate all your insight. If you have not already checked out Eric's work, go to www.chargers.com slash news slash a conversation with. You can just Google those and you'll find it. Um, has a ton of of uh, profile pieces with all the assistant coaches has some players as well. And like you mentioned, has a ton still to come. Uh, Eric, thank you for doing this. Anything else you want to tell the great friends of charges Unleash? anything else you're doing between now and then we can give folks a heads up on. Uh, no, no doing good. Thanks for having me on. Um, like I said, just going to try to enjoy Hawaii and relax a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, the the grind is coming for sure. There it is. <laughs> It'll be here. Well, for uh, for Eric Smith, Jake Hefter, Dan Wolkenstein, this is Charges Unleashed. Aloha from here. Safe travels, Eric. We'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. <laughs>